With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to a weekly podcast made by Miami Dolphin fans for Miami Dolphin fans. Your source for entertaining Dolphin news, insight, and general conversation. Here's your host, Michael Fink. Hey everyone, this is Mike. Uh, the Fin Fans Podcast is part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. It's Wednesday and I'm here with Jim Johnson. Hey everybody. Welcome back, Jim. Yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, welcome back, Jim. Where yeah, have you, you been? Uh, I, was, I was having a nap. It's <laughs> a, a long nap. <laughs> Are you Rip Van Winkle? <laughs> uh, no, we just uh, had some stuff going on and uh, it's good to be back here. All right. And uh, he, I'm, I'm with Ebenezer Scrooge. Hey, doll fans, how are you? Hey, that's the boss of Christmas, you know. Yes. That's right. Don't you forget it, Mr. Fink. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> Lewis, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm in the Christmas spirit, Mike. And that's that could be a good thing or a bad thing. Well, so, yeah, I'll take it as a good thing. Okay. All right. We'll leave it at that then. <laughs> Our role this week is to uh, take on the Cincinnati Bengals. Mm-hmm. Hey, and we're actually favored for the first time this year. That's How amazing, isn't that? it? One yeah. and a half point favorites. Yep, yep. We got a cover, Lou? What is it? Six and a half? One and a half. One and a half. Yeah. We're favored. Yes. Oh, my goodness. What are they thinking? <laughs> okay. Well, well, at the beginning, we were favored by three points. You right. know, the whole, oh, the whole, okay. All, all the, the money's feed. on Miami. Yeah, I mean, no. on the, I'm sorry, on the Bengals. And rightfully so. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they played a good half of football, and I know that's not a full game, but they played a really good half of football against New England last week. I actually watched a little bit of that game, and um, uh, Dalton just threw it away in the second half. You know, four interceptions. Dalton did Dalton things, huh? Dalton <laughs> did. Dalton was what he has been and probably will be, and that's why – more than likely, Cincinnati's going to wind up with the quarterback that yeah. everybody seems to want here in Miami. So, yeah, no. they've got Joe Burrow in their sights, I believe. Yes. Well, um, who knows? Who knows who they have in their sights? But that would seem to be the case. It does make all the sense yeah. in the world, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, they have a lot of needs. There's no question about that, uh, and I think that's what you were getting at, Jim, yeah. as well, right? I mean, yeah, they're they're in needs, but they do have Burroughs in their sights, and rightfully so. I mean, Dalton's been you know inconsistent, and you know he's done it again this year. He's got 11 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. I mean, you know, you can't. You can't win football games when you have more interceptions thrown than touchdown passes. So, no, you can't. We know that from experience. So. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, would you like to talk about their offense, Lewis? Yeah, we'll talk about them. Uh, we already touched on Dalton. Um, you know, he, he completes around sixty percent of his passes, but you know, it, it, he looks great at times, and and he's he's got to be so frustrating for the coaching staff that they have up there, and the fans up there in Cincinnati, because there's times where he looks fantastic. And then he just has these games where he's just absolutely horrible. I mean, beyond horrible, he goes from one extreme to another and he's 
kind of been that way pretty much his whole career. So, you know, starting with him, I mean, if we are going to win this game, it, it's going to it, it's going to basically evolve around how he plays quarterback on on this Sunday. Uh, if he has the type of game where he's going to throw three, four interceptions, then we're obviously going to have a chance. Um you know, Eli threw three last week, and we still and we lost didn't have by, a chance, right? Yeah, we still had we still lost by a chunk of chunk of points. But the point is, is that you know he he throws bad interceptions at bad times. He threw a pick six against New England last week, which you know turned the whole game around. Um, beyond him, uh, Joe Mixon is an outstanding running back. I mean, he is really, really good. Uh, he's on the verge of going for a thousand this year. You know, he, he's just an extremely good running back. And we saw Giovanni Bernard a few years ago on a uh, night game just destroy us. Um, he's had a few injuries since. That was going back a few years. And he yeah. doesn't seem to be the same running back he was. But, uh, you know, he, he's a good pass catcher out of the backfield. So they have that combination at, at, at running back. And at receiver, they have a very talented young kid in Tyler Boyd. You know, he, he can hurt you. Uh, past that, you know, they have Auden Tate, they have Alex Erickson, they have a few other guys, they're tight ends, or Efert, he's not bad. They, they're very, very average on the offensive side of the football. The key to this game is how Dalton plays and how we play against the run, which we haven't done very well over the last couple of weeks. You know, I think they'll come out, they'll try and run on us, and if they're successful, then they're going to be successful. The less they have to depend on Dalton, the better off they're going to be. So we've got to stack up against the run and hope that we can contain Mixon and then put them in positions to where Dalton's going to have to air it out and hope that he turns the ball over. Right. You got to win the battle on early downs and uh, get them behind the chains and Dalton will play into our hands. Yes, sir. So how do you plan on doing that with uh, Raekwon McMillan on IR now? Uh, that's a good question because even when Raekwon was on the field, we haven't, like I said earlier, we haven't really done a good job against the run. Uh, Barkley ran the ball pretty well last week and the week before, uh, Powell ran the ball well. And again, these two off, and I said this on Monday and I said it last week, the, the two offensive lines that we've gone against the last couple of weeks are not very good and we struggled. So, you know, Cincinnati's offensive line, I, I can honestly tell you, I don't know a lot about them. I do know that they're doing a pretty decent job in regard to blocking from Mixon. Uh, you know, he's averaging four yards a carry. And, um, you know, that's without the threat of a passing game most of the year because they had the kid Finley quarterbacking uh, for a while there, you know, in between, you know, Dalton playing. So, you know, they, the teams aren't concerned with, you know, a, good, a, run, a young rookie quarterback like that, and they're not overly concerned with Dalton. So with that being said, Mixon still ran the ball pretty well, so their offensive line must do a pretty good job of blocking, uh, you know, for in running situations. Um, in regard to passing downs, well, Dalton's been sacked 32 times, and Finley was sacked 11 times. So this offensive line has given up a lot of sacks. But <laughs> if we don't have pass rushers, you know, that's not going to make any difference in the world because, again, we've been through this over the last couple of weeks with the offensive lines we've gone against. So well, rookies tend to get sacked a lot. So that, that you know, with Finley, I don't know. Is he a rookie? 
Yeah. He is. But, you know, the, the point is this, Mike. They've still given up 43 sacks. That's a big number. Yeah. Uh, Dalton's been sacked 32 times in 11 games. So, you know, he's averaging about getting sacked three times a game. So he has tannehillitis. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what he has. But yeah. the point is, is that I think this is a better run-blocking team than they are pass-blocking. And it's up to our defense, Jim, You're getting back to your question, to – even without McMillan in there to, you know, to stuff the run. And if they do, then they'll have a chance at winning this football game in regard to that side. You know, on the defensive side, us, you know, against their, um, our our offense against their defense, then you can talk a little bit about that now if you'd like, because I'm done as far as the offense goes. There you go. Wouldn't, <laughs> no. it, wouldn't it be nice if we had some defenders that could actually contain the uh, the edges on the on there? Mike, you had something before Jim gets started? No, like- I was just going to ask Jim about their horrible defense, but you sort of already did. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, Cincinnati is, you know, you said they had a horrible defense and, and they're rated one spot ahead of us as yep, far as the, the NFL 30, <laughs> 32 teams. They're rated 29th. I think we're 30th. And, uh, you know, they're giving up 25 and a half points a game. They're giving up 391 yards, uh, 233 through the air and 150 some on the ground. Their defense only has seven interceptions and only five fumble recoveries, so they're not uh, taking the ball away much either. So their D-line has got some quality players, and Carlos Dunlop, Geno Atkins, and uh, Sam Hubbard is playing well. They're the, they're, they're leading sack guys. Their two safeties are playing well. Sean Williams and Jesse Bates are doing very well. They're both highly rated safeties. But I think you'll remember a few years ago when our safeties were our leading tacklers, that tells you that most of the run, the, the plays are getting to the safeties, the, the last line of the defense. So, you know, both of those guys have close to 100 tackles each. So, wow. so if your two safeties are making the majority of your tackles, the rest of your defense isn't getting much done. So with that said, we're going to have to slow their, their rush a little bit. They've got, uh, I think, 23 sacks as a team. So they're not making a lot of sacks or pressuring the quarterback a lot. So we should have, you know, Fitzpatrick should have a chance to get out there and spread the ball around a little bit. You know, get Laird involved, you know, try to do a little play action maybe to slow the, slow the rush, uh, spread them out, and take advantage of the middle. They've only got one linebacker that's playing very well. You know, Nick Vigil has a little over 100 tackles. He's their leading tackler, but everybody else is is poor at best. So we should be able to take care, you know take advantage of that middle of the field uh, with the short passing game. You know, Parker should have basically an easy run out there with whoever matches up with him. So it should be some plays on the table. But if they start pressuring Fitzpatrick and he plays like he did you know, against the Giants, uh, it won't go very well. So no, I think they will because uh, you've got Hubbard, Atkins, and Dunlop going right. against Kilgore, Calhoun, and Davis. You think that's a mismatch? I do, on, <laughs> on, for each of them. And, exactly. Uh, we'll have to see how they hold up. Yeah. Um, you know, Dunlap is their leading sacker. He's got six and a half sacks. Atkins has got four and a half. Uh, Hubbard's got six. 
you know, Dunlap's 54 tackles, Hubbard's got 63. So they're playing fairly well on that defensive line, but they're also giving up big plays, chunk chunk yardage plays in the passing game. So when they do get to the quarterback, it's good. But when they don't, they're giving up big plays. So that's kind of the way this game's going to go. I think we're going to be pretty close to the vest, and then all of a sudden there's going to be big plays, and they could go either way. All right, we got predictions. Mike? <laughs> Well, I don't Uh-oh. know why you'd ask me first. Mike doesn't like predictions. I know. You know I what? really don't. I Jim, really don't. Jim, we usually go first. That's why I got it out there before he did. No, that's fine. Uh, you can run the show. I mean. <laughs> he is the boss of Christmas. so Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Apparently, he's taking that role seriously. Um, <laughs> no, I just wanted to beat you to the punch because I had a feeling that you were going to throw it at me and Jim first. So I said, you know what? Let me try and sneak this in real quick to Mike. Well, and let I'll, him I'll tell you this. I do believe that Flores is going to pull out all the stops. He wants to win the game. Okay. Question is, can we? And I think we've sort of already answered that. I do think that Cincinnati's defense is going to be a problem um, for our offense. And if Fitzpatrick makes mistakes, uh, and if we don't have a running game, and there's no reason to think we will, uh, then I do think we probably will not win the game. I'm going to think that we lose a somewhat low-scoring game, I would say 20-17. to Okay. Jim, you want to go? Yeah, I'll I'll give it a whirl. I I think this is going to be kind of an ugly game. There's probably going to be some turnovers uh, on both sides of the ball. But I think there's going to be some some broken plays where both teams may score some touchdowns that we're not really expecting. So, so you think on a higher scoring game? Yeah, I think I think there's going to be some mistakes on both sides of the ball, and uh, Fitzpatrick will probably make a connection with Parker, and uh, Dalton will probably make his connections as well. So I'm predicting that the Bengals are going to win this game about 27 to 21. I'm going even higher. Oh, really? How's that? I'm, I don't know. I'm going 34-28. Ah, close one, huh? Cincinnati. Yep. I think that for the reasons that Mike talked about and you talked about, I think that they have just slightly more of a, of a situation in regard to a pass rush. Yep. Uh, where we're, where our pass rush is non-existent. I think they're going to be able to run the football, and I think that Dalton's going to be able to make some plays. I think they're going to move the football a lot like the Giants did last week. Um, you know, you can compare Eli to to Dalton. You know, Eli threw three interceptions, and look at how many points they were able to put on the board anyway. So and, Yeah, and they still kicked our butts. Yeah, Exactly. So I see a very similar situation this week. Um, you know, the Giant defense is not very good. Uh, they're probably a little bit better than what Cincinnati's is, so I think we get a few more points. But, again, I think we lose in a in a high-scoring game. I'm, I'm right on page with you, Jim, where I think it's going to be a, a wild game. There's going to be all kinds of stunts pulled, so on and so forth, and I think that you're just going to see points all over the place. There's no reason not to think that way. Yeah, there is. Why is that? The first pick in the draft. Well, Mike, yeah. you just said Flores is – I said Flores. I didn't say Cincinnati. The thing is, though, Cincinnati can win and still have the first pick. So Exactly. Well, it means nothing to them, whether they win or lose. I mean, there's Mike, there, I, know there, I know what you're saying and I get it, but there's a very extreme, extremely slim chance that we jump in front of them. No, yeah, no, you're right. I mean, we have a 6% chance of uh, getting the first pick. Right. I don't think that's what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is 
Cincinnati knows if they lose, they've got it. They've got it locked up. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yes. that is incentive maybe not to coach to your best ability. But we'll see. Well, they would have to win their last two. They'd have to win this week and win next week, Mike. And I think that the only team that could possibly leap leapfrog them at this point is, is it Washington? Uh, it, well, it would probably be either Washington or the Giants. I can't tell you who. I don't. I don't know either. But I. I listen. It would know, probably. We don't be need Washington. to spend a lot of time yeah. on this. I just think that to Jim's point that you know they they pretty much know that they're locked in for the most part unless something crazy happens. And I think they end the season against a strong team, Cincinnati, don't they? Uh, Pitt- I thought you said they play Pittsburgh the last week. I thought. I, so. I don't know for sure. I, I'm not sure. Yeah, either, I didn't look. But but regardless of the fact, the bottom line is is that I'm going to look it up now as we're talking. Um, they end the season against Cleveland, so okay. it, it is you know it is possible that they that they win that game. Cleveland hasn't yeah. looked that good, but uh, you know Odell and Landry could pack up and leave before then. Oh man! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the head coach and yeah. everybody else involved, absolutely. So yeah, you just never know. So we'll see. I just think that it's good. there's going to be a lot of points scored on in the football game, and we'll see. We'll find out in a couple of days, right? And then we can come back and you can say you were right or I can say I was right or Jim could say I was oh, the I, in-between guy. I was right. Hey, uh, look, you can I be right. I don't care. <laughs> I don't I don't care. <laughs> I'll have to call I'll have to call into that show because I'm I don't play with that one. <laughs> I got gotcha. you. Oh, uh, you know, we we have fun with it, but there's no way of telling what you're going to see on Sunday. I mean, you may see Parker end up with 200 yards for all we know. Exactly. Let's hope that that is the case, too. Yep. Yeah. What we do know, though, is uh, a couple of ex-Dolphins have ended themselves up in the Pro Bowl. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick and Laramie Tunzel will be playing in that game if they decide to. I know that's got a lot of fans depressed, and you shouldn't be. You know, we did what we had to do. Couple of other things I wanted to touch on. Also, uh, you know, they it was uh, Flores was asked how he uh, how he feels about the quarterback situation and if he would consider starting Rosen uh, the rest of the season. He simply said, "Look, I got to face these players every day, and uh, I have to put them in the best position to win. That's my job." And Fitzpatrick does that right now. Then, you know, the press started asking him, well, does that mean you're not happy with Rosen? And he said, no, not at all. He's done everything we've asked him to do. He's improving in practice, and he has gotten a lot better since September. But Fitzpatrick still gives us the best chance to win. That was his outlook on that. Not a glowing endorsement of uh, Mr. Rosen. Well, I mean, I think he said anything that he could say, you know. I mean, look, it's the truth. We all know that that Fitzpatrick gives them the best chance to win. We know that. Uh, His, you know, his experience and his uh, instincts in the pocket are far superior. So, you know, it shows up on game day. Now, does that mean Fitzpatrick's a great quarterback? No. So that kind of tells you where Rosen is. The Ravens. They actually tied a record the uh, 73 Dolphins had set, and that was with uh, 12 players invited to that Pro Bowl. Now, back in 73, Miami had uh, 12, and it was uh, Bob Gracie, uh, center Jim Langer, uh, wide receiver Paul Warfield, running back Mercury Morris, uh, left tackle Wayne Moore, fullback Larry Zonka, right guard Larry Little, uh, Gary Premian, Bill Stanfill, safeties Dick Anderson and Jake Scott, and middle linebacker Nick Monacani. 
Wow, 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 wow. A lot of players in that game and uh, a lot of good players in that game. Bunch of Hall of Famers. Yes, that's a great group right there. Yeah. That Pro Bowl was the Dolphins against the NFC. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> and, you know, there were there some pretty strong teams around that time. You know, Oakland was good, Pittsburgh. Yeah. They had some nice teams in the AFC at that time. If you look at the AFC now in comparison, uh, it's not very good. No. You look not. you look across our conference and uh well, just look at our division. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, we were talking about Fitzpatrick a minute ago, and um, if he leads the team in rushing, which it looks like he's a lot to do, it'll be only the seventh time a quarterback has done that since 1970. Josh Allen did it last year. Russell Wilson did it the year before. Randall Cunningham, when he played for the Eagles, did it four years in a row, 87, 88, 89, and 90. The first time it was done was Bobby Douglas way back in 72 when he was with the uh, Chicago Bears. So it's only been done seven times, and uh, that's a cool accomplishment he'll, he'll be able to have. <laughs> you know, well, <laughs> I mean, what would, what were the odds of that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. The problem is he's not a rushing quarterback, so uh, it's not a it's not a you know a blue ribbon for our running game in general. No, but it is for him, I think. You know, just the fact of his age and, and the oh, fact yeah. he can, uh, quite, you know, gain that much yardage. Oh, I mean, yeah. Even if it's only 250, 300 yards, it's still you would not expect a 37-year-old to do yeah. that. Yeah, Mike, and, he, and he was taking guys, taking guys on head-on as well. So yeah. I give him a lot of kudos for that. Yeah. But what, what you guys are missing in this whole thing is listen to the names that Mike mentioned. Oh, I didn't miss it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, what what piece doesn't you know what what yeah. what what one shape, of these pieces is not like the others, right? Right. One of these pieces is not like the other. You're talking about Bobby Douglas, who was you know basically a, a he was more like a fullback actually playing quarterback. He was a big guy, and uh-huh. then you got Randall Cunningham, who was one of the greatest Great yep. quarterbacks right. in regard to running the football ever. And then you throw in Russell Wilson, who was another great athlete. And Josh Allen, who was just incredible last year, too. You know, he's a rookie quarterback who loves to run with the football. Now, Fitzpatrick at 37 years old (laughs) gets thrown into this thing. It's like when people look at this list years from now, they're going to be like, now, how in the hell did something like that happen? I get right. all these other guys, but Ryan Fitzpatrick, that little guy with that big beard? I was going to say, that- <laughs> I, I think it's the beard that does it, yeah. Well, you're yeah. probably going to have uh, Jackson doing it for the next eight years in a row. Uh, it's, I, Mike, I would assume that um, him leading the team in rushing, obviously, is the lowest total among all those guys as well. I, I, oh, I mean, no by doubt. far, right? No doubt. I, so I it, didn't look, but I would bet so. So, I mean, it's a combination of, you know, ha- you know he's done a good job. I'm not going to take anything away from him, but it's the simple yeah, fact. Yeah, Drake being traded is the thing that yeah, really the, factored the in Yeah, the ineptitude there. of the offensive line and the guys that have replaced Drake. You know, it's been one thing or another. So, yeah. it's a combination of things. But, you know what, it, it's, it's great to talk about, and it is an accomplishment. And, you know, years from now, he can say, hey, you know, I led the 2019 Dolphins in rushing that year. He's going to win some money. He's going to win some money with that because people bet then he's lying yeah <laughs> right yeah, you're yeah. probably right yeah that's great that's good stuff uh now we talked about Raekwon mcmillan going on ir the corresponding move to that was the uh, dolphins went to their uh northeast patriot team 
and took uh, Calvin Munson off their uh, practice squad, who's also a linebacker. Now, I don't know a thing about Calvin Munson, and I don't imagine you guys do either, do you? Nope, not a thing. That's okay. neg- negatory, Mike. Yeah, I, I didn't think you would. So uh, we'll, we'll find out together if, he, if he's any good, I guess, next training camp if he survives that long. Yeah. Well, you can bet your butt that if he was on New England's practice squad, then he's a probably he's probably a pretty solid football player. Um, you know, just based on their history. You know, yeah. they they don't keep guys around if they're not uh, productive in some type of way. And you know, they're they're pretty deep on the defensive side of the football. So you know, maybe they found something. Maybe, maybe. Uh, you know. Uh, it's interesting to see them doing that, you know, you because know, every, every coach that comes in, they, they tend to favor players from where they came from. So, you know, we saw it with Gase and the Bears, and we saw it, you know, uh, with uh, Philbin and the and the Packers and, you know, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So, and, and now that you got really our, our whole management hierarchy is from the Patriots. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see how many of their guys we do end up with see if they go after any of their free agents uh, come uh, March. I wonder who are free agents in regard to that team because, well, I'll tell you what, they're they're not playing a great brand of football right now, and I I don't know how many free agents are, you know, if they lose James White, I don't know if he's a free agent, but he's been one of their more productive players for years, and uh, if they lose him, uh, that's another big loss you know, offensively. Um, I know that um, Edelman's having a pretty good year, but past him. Is he, how many yards does he have? He's over a thousand, I'm sure. Okay. He, he's he's had it he's had a good year. Because no- the games I've seen, he looks like he's slipping to me. He does not appear as, as elusive as he's been. You know, he's getting up there in age as well, but I know he's over a thousand for the year and past him. They just don't have a lot. I mean, we'll talk about them. Next, you know, we've got them the following week, so we'll we'll check out everything and um, yeah. I'll have better answers for you. Edelman's got a thousand twenty yards. Yeah, yeah, and well, he's got okay. two games left, so he's you know he's having a solid year. You know? Yeah, so, well, it's so not a little bit better than Parker, but considering he's the only real weapon on that yeah, offense exactly. from a receiver standpoint, and the same with Parker, really. Right. Uh, it's interesting. Hey guys, I wanted to break in here real quick just to ask a favor of you. On the app that you're listening on, uh, if you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to the podcast. Hit like, leave a, a comment on your thoughts of the show. And uh, if you didn't know, we do, we do run a Facebook group. Uh, it's Miami Dolphins number one. That's hashtag one. We talk uh, Dolphins football 24-7, 365. We'd love to have you join us and share your thoughts. And uh, once again, we want to thank you for listening. Uh, let's make it a habit. We'll see you next week. Uh, you know, I was looking at an article that, uh, that I thought really hit home because, you know, the local papers down in uh, South Florida are not very kind to the Dolphins. It seems like any time they can write an article, they slant towards the negative. There was an article written in the USA Today by uh, Brett Lagasse. The title of the article is Have the Dolphins Succeeded in Their 2019 Objectives? He goes on to uh, talk about uh, establishing a culture, developing young players, and evaluating talent. And uh, he he explains how the Dolphins have achieved each of these things with the moves that they've made. Like, you know, with developing talent, he talks about uh, Nick Needham and Jamal Wiltz and Preston Williams. 
when he talks about evaluating talent, he, he talks about, you know, having success with Parker and Gasecki when they've struggled before. He talks about uh, Vince Beagle and the success that he had when on his previous team. He, he didn't. And uh, he goes on and on. But it, it's really a very interesting article. You guys should uh, definitely check it out. Um, he's spot on. I mean, he really goes, he really goes pretty in depth with it. And uh, his, his points are very, very valid, I think. And I think it explains a little bit about what the team really is trying to do. He also, Lou, you remember last week or the week before we had said uh, this is kind of like watching preseason. He brings up that same exact point because that's really what it is. They're evaluating, you know, what these guys can and can't do and who can play and who can't. And and they're making, you know, moves based on that. And he brings up uh, the offensive line as an example with uh, uh, Davenport and uh, Webb. And uh, he says that, you know, Webb was acquired to fill in while Davenport was hurt. And as soon as Davenport was healthy again, they put him back in uh, because they want to see if there's something there. So Webb was sort of a, a, a stopgap to get them through Davenport's injury. Right. You know, and he, and he talks about some other players and stuff. But like I said, it's it's a really good article. And I, I think it's really spot on. It gives you a, a an understanding of, of what they're really trying to do and and the points he brings up are are well thought out and i think uh fair to the organization unlike some of the articles that we've seen out of the uh, sentinel and herald and whatnot with two games left we're getting really close to the end here and um you know as you look at the team as a whole and what you know coming out of the gates how badly we played and we went through a period where we played really really competitive football um you know the the problem with this team and the biggest problem and where we're at now and why we're playing and losing the teams like the giants and jets the last two weeks i think has more to do with the fact that we have a lot of injuries on this football team on both sides of the football that are definitely affecting the outcome of these football games. And you know, last week I was kidding. I said there was 30 people on injured reserve. Well, I actually counted them up. There, There's uh, 18 players reserved. Wow. Yeah. That, that's either physically unable to perform or non-football injury or whatever it is, but there's 18 players uh, yeah, and, that are not on the roster that would be otherwise. And a lot of those players are, are starters and some of our pl- only playmakers that we had. So... Like you said, Lou, I mean, the injuries have taken so many of the few actual playmakers we had on the team and put them on the shelf. Right, absolutely. And that that has, I think, more to do with the fact that, listen, it, it, let me just put this plain and simple. If, if Xavier Howard and McCain and Rashad Jones and guys like that were in the secondary right now, you'd see a whole different football team period it's that simple if Preston Williams was opposite Devontae Parker in a full season if we had you know if if they had returning kicks if they had Grant in the slot there's guys all over the place that that are out and and if those players were on the field you may have very well seen this team win six or seven games. They're at three game, three wins right now, and some of these other games could have went either way. So, you know, when you look at this team and say, okay, if they would have stayed healthy, they would have won six games, a team that we didn't expect to win one game, then you're saying, wow, you know, they, they really accomplished a lot more than what we expected. 
And um, they have developed a few players. There's a few players that have been disappointments, Mike. We talked about that on Monday. Right. You know, Dieter comes to mind. Wilkins, I'm, I'm not extremely disappointed in him. I mean, they're, they're both rookies. But, you know, uh, listen, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I expected more from him. And um, Wilkins really has been average. Well, he's, at, not a, he's not Aaron Donald. He's right. Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, but the point is this, is that the team is overachieved, in my opinion. I think they're going in the right direction. You know, all you got to do is look at uh, some of the points that that you were you were hitting on earlier in regard to that article, Mike, as to the development of Gasicki and Parker and what he's become. I mean, he's becoming a, you know, a star receiver in this league. You know, he's he's on the verge of a he thousand yards. He talks about yards. Eric Rowe also. Right. Yeah. Eric Rose had it. Listen, there's guys all over the place. Beagle, there's a bunch of guys that you mentioned that it, that have exceeded our expectations. There's no question about it. All the guys I just mentioned, uh-huh. and I know there's others. So, you know, the negativity around this team, uh, I don't know how you can be negative when you started this season and how could you expect any more than what they have given you and then some. So, I mean, you know, I, that's why I don't read a lot of those articles, Mike. I just stay away from them. You know, you, you look at you look at everything and you evaluate as an individual, you know, as a Dolphin fan. The other thing fan. I wanted to address was the offensive line. And, the, you know, the article, uh, this other article basically said that, you know, they, they haven't answered their questions, but I think they have. Yeah. I, I think they've figured out who can play and who can't. I think they've figured out who they can work with going forward and who is not worth their effort. And uh, we'll find out who those players are. But I, I do think uh, Jesse Davis is going to be here somewhere uh, next season. Yep. And as far as everybody else, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, they could keep the center. They may decide to get a youngster to come in and take his place. We'll see what happens. But uh, I, I think they've answered their questions. They just haven't broadcasted what their answers are. Well, it's not like they can really make any moves right now anyway until the <laughs> right. season's over. So, right. so there's uh, no point in it. You, yeah. just, you just continue to do what they're doing, yeah. which is, you know, move people around and yep. find out who can do what and how good they can do it. Yeah, I think they found out a lot more of who can't than who can, Mike. How's that? Let's, yeah, no, let's but leave what, it at that. <laughs> well, no, that, they, that's, there's truth to that because of the amount of guys that they've shuffled in and out. Right. Uh, you know. Right. Uh, but they know now whether Dieter has the potential that they were looking for when they drafted him. They're not going to tell us the answer, but they know. You know what I mean? And, and then the same thing with the tackles. And, and, you know, they know if these guys are, are worth further developing or if it's just a waste of time and they need to address it. I think the answers are, are clear as day, right? I think so. I think so. Uh, I, I honestly believe the only keeper should be Davis. Now, you know, Kilgore may, may last, but I, I think that they'd be better off uh, uh, pulling in a center, but they may not want to because of his experience. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that? Or you, you think somebody else might? Do you think Dieter is going to stick? I think Dieter will stay on the team just because he's he's still new. Uh, we just drafted him, and I think they'll give him a shot, but they they have to bring in three new offensive linemen at at minimum. So at minimum, at minimum, yeah. yeah. And and I would be bringing in a young center, no question. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Jim. And Dieter has to have competition thrown at him as well because um, you know. I, and again, he is a rookie. I know. I 
I'm hard on these guys because so am I. Mike, oh, yeah. listen, we've been Mike, we've been watching football, Jim. We've been watching football for years, okay? And you know, I don't buy into the well, you know, I know I say it all the time because we do give them the benefit of the doubt, but you're either a player or you're not a player. And some guys do, I mean, there are situations where guys wind up becoming very very solid football players after a very slow start, but Usually right out of the gate, you know you have something. And um, But there's certain positions where that's not traditionally true. And uh, offensive line is one of those positions. Some, uh-huh. Unless you're really a highly skilled athlete and a big-bodied guy, it takes development. You have to learn technique, and you have to put on weight and get stronger and all that stuff. Yeah, and Dieter is, what, a third-round pick? It's, it's not like he was the 12th player off the board. So Exactly. We're not going to give up on him that just this quick, I don't think. Well, it, it depends on how happy they are with what he's done. And, and you know, they, they, they have all the uh, metrics and uh, analytics and all that. They know. I mean, we don't know, but they know. Right. I, I'm sure at this point, uh, uh, listen, th- th- if they don't know at this point, then there's, then that's a problem. Th- then yeah. there, there's a major problem. Right. Exactly. So they know what they have to do in the off season. And I'm sure they're going to go right to work. I mean, we're two weeks away from the end of the season. And I know as soon as it ends that they're going to be evaluating every doggone offensive lineman coming out of college this year. It's that simple. Uh, they have to, you know, it's the same with edge players. They have to, it's, it's the key to us being successful going forward. They have to get players on both sides of that line that can make plays for us. It, it, and it, that'll be the difference. You'll see a major upgrade if we can improve at the edge positions and the offensive line. From there, everything will start falling into place. But You know, and, and the other thing that, that people say is, you know, well, Greer has, you know, he's been here for 20 years and they've stunk half the time. And, you know, what makes you think that he can be any better than he's been? And my answer to that, and I've probably said this before, but, uh, you know, in the off season, they brought in uh, Reggie McKenzie and they brought in Marvin Allen. And uh, Reggie McKenzie had some success with the Raiders and and Marvin Allen had quite a bit of success, uh, both in Buffalo and Kansas City. You know, they've got three men who have experience doing it at the highest level. And you've got Greer, who was also a scout. I'm not Greer, but uh, Flores, Flores, who was also a a scout uh, back in his early days. So they all speak the same language. They all know what a football player looks like. And I think that collectively, they should do a better job than Greer would do by himself. Yeah, I tend to agree with you, Mike. If you can take a player, you're talking about uh, developing players and finding young talent and all that. If you can take a guy like Nick Needham, who looked like the worst guy ever in preseason, and and turn him into a fairly solid starting cornerback, uh, that's that's great work. So. Uh, you know, I got you got to have faith that these guys are going to be able to develop players and and find the right pieces for this puzzle moving forward. A little bit of patience, you know, a L- little, little bit, bit of patience. A little bit, yeah. It, it, here, here's the other thing. Uh-huh. Okay, when when you look at GMs in every organization, okay, th- these are individuals that are evaluating players just like me, you, and Jim do as we're watching football games on a given week. Okay, right. now you don't know. You don't know 
what's inside a player. You just don't. Every, you know, there's so much emphasis on, oh, the GM, this guy stinks. Now, there have been some really bad GMs. There's no question about it. But that's a small percentage. Everybody else you can throw into throw into the mix. And in all honesty, it, it's luck. It really I is. I was just going to say that, I mean, you, you cannot... You can look at a guy that's a phenomenal athlete and he just doesn't do it on the football field. It doesn't translate. It doesn't translate. With quarterbacks, if everybody was such a guru, okay, and let's let's point at New England, okay? New England is not a very good draft. They don't draft players that well. Their first-round picks, Mike, we did something on them. Right, we did. They're hit and miss. And this team has been successful longer than anybody in, in the in the history of the NFL, but they're, over, they're, you know, well, they do things that other people don't do. They they go out and they trade and they, they make right. trades, they, a lot of trades. You're exactly right, but I'm I'm talking specifically about evaluating players coming out yep. of the draft because that's what these people are basing it on in regard to Greer, Mike. So the situation is is that. It doesn't matter who's up there making the decisions. You have to get lucky. It's that simple. Drew Brees in New Orleans makes that team 10 times better than what they are. Sure. Okay? And they they were fortunate enough to make a decision that we didn't. They were they wanted to give him an extra year on his contract. It changed their whole franchise around. Now, does that make does that make um a GM any better than the next guy? No, it, it's a matter of when you're drafting, it's a matter of luck. It's that simple a lot of these times. You just have to be fortunate. Your team finances come into it. There's a whole bunch of different things that go into that decision. It's right. not just, you know, right. how long should we sign this player for, you know? Right. Marino's a perfect example. I mean, how many teams passed up on a guy that became one of the greatest quarterbacks ever? I right. mean, it, yeah. it happens every single year. And everybody talks about, you know, GMs and how Jason important Taylor they are. in the third it's round. Nonsense. I mean, you can do this all day long. It's nonsense. Uh-huh. It's yep. nonsense. I, if we went back and if me, you, and Jim both studied every draft and every GM over the last 10 years, I can guarantee you they have as many bad picks as they do good picks, even the best ones. That's so. Right. You know, it's a matter of just getting lucky. We got to roll the dice, hope that we get Stringing the right guys those here. picks together. Exactly. That's that's how a GM does great, you know, for four or five years. He's a hero and everything else, and then all of a sudden he's out of football. Right. And the later rounds. You know, <laughs> oh, the yeah. later rounds are key, too. You can get really good football players in the later rounds. I mean, Brady. <laughs> I mean, look where he was drafted. I mean, come on. I mean, who who would have in 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 their right mind, honestly, who would have thought that he would become what he is from where he came Looking from? Looking at him, you wouldn't have thought it. Of that picture's hysterical. And that that's my whole point here. And then you get a guy like Vince Young coming out of college that looks like yeah, you know, he Adonis. looks like J- Jim mm-hmm. Brown able to throw a football. Yeah. He runs the football like Jim Brown, but yet he can also pass. And where is he after a few years? Yeah, you know, it, it, it happens every year. So we got to roll the dice and get lucky. It's that simple. We can't emphasize on the fact that the GM has made some bad decisions because he's made just as many good ones. Mm-hmm. It's that simple. Yeah, I, I've said this for years. You got a bunch of twenty-two-year-olds coming out of college. And the real world hasn't hit them yet, really. And, you know, they get their, they get drafted, they get a, a contract, and now they're millionaires, maybe. And 
you don't know if they're going to put their heart and soul into football or not. And the ones that do usually become great. The ones that half-ass it, well, you know, they end up being some of those busts, you know, a la Deion Jordan. So if you're not if you're not putting your heart into it, you're not going to excel at whatever you're doing. Agree. Yeah, you know what, what? What you find out is, you know, money changes some of these guys, and others are just so money motivated they don't give a crud about the team. Right. They're in it for themselves. They're focused on themselves, and all they're worried about is how they can, you know, get as much stats as possible so they can hit next contract, you know, for whatever it is they want to uh, aim for. And of course, it's usually going to be the highest paid at that position. You know, so the, the, the GM doesn't know how money is going to change people. He doesn't know who's going to be able to uh, coexist next to South Beach, you know, down in, in uh, Miami. And there's there's so much that goes into it that really the, the uh, GM has no control over, you know. You go out, you take your chances, and you hope that it works in your favor. That's absolutely correct, Mike. Hit it right on the button. I mean, you know, these guys coming out of uh, college – they're hungry, um, but some of these guys are just not as motivated as others. Some guys want to be the greatest ever. Yes. You know, Emmett Smith, people like that, you look at him in stature and you're like, look at how little this guy is. But he had the will and the desire to win football games, game in and game out. And you can't, you just can't look at a guy and see, you know, how fast he runs or how high he can well, jump or how great a pass Zach catch Thomas he is. Zach Thomas is a, is a perfect that. example of that. Right. You, you know, can't just a guy that, that, that totally engulfed the sport. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. He, you know, they, they just, they lived for football. Yes. And, you know, they, their diet, their way they kept themselves up, you know, their exercise regimen, off season, on season, it's all about what I, I got to be ready. You know, Cameron Wake is another one. You know, he says, you know, yes. I, I can't eat bacon all year long. You know, you got to take care of your body so that I'm ready to play on Sunday. And, you know, a lot of guys, you know, they want to go eat pizza and goof off and party all night because they've, they've just been drafted into the NFL and, and now it's party time. Yeah, well, you know, Devontae Parker has started to figure it out, and hopefully, you know, he can be an example to some of these younger players that come in. And, you know, if he sees players, you know, with some of the poorer habits like he had, he can pull them aside and say, hey, look, kid, I was in your shoes. Let me tell you what happened. Yep. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's about all I got uh, for this Wednesday. How about you guys? I think we've covered pretty much everything we were talking about. Yeah, I believe so, and then some. We're good. All right. So we'll be back again on Monday, and uh, we'll talk about Sunday's game. And until then, fins up, everybody. Fins up. Fins up, Dolphins. All right, so that's our show for this week. I just want to remind everyone that the FinFans podcast is part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. 